lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. There is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for me on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. If you don't like censorship, go there, please. And if you like clips of the show that are free to watch and then also are free of big tech censorship, you may get those at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. I know and I hear from uh, folks that like to listen to this show at the end of the day. Our own CEO, Tyler, likes to listen to this thing. Uh, he says he likes to listen to it right before he goes to bed at night. Does that mean, I, I kind of just realized, does, does that mean we put him to sleep? Is that what that means? Was, I, think, I think it just means that the truth for him is a lullaby. <laughs> That's what I think it means. <laughs> That's not quite as good as the clip from Trump we just ran before we came on. Some people say I'm the greatest star maker of all time, but some of the stars I make are truly garbage. All right. It's not that good. But I'm in a conversation. But you're at least in that conversation. Yes. All our screens went black here. I don't know if that's okay or not. Yeah. No, it's not. Okay. So we'll just continue on as if nothing has happened. All right. People are going to freak out uh, at uh, at, at that news. But um, um, it's if, if you are one of those folks that likes to listen to this at the end of your day, how about over a nice, relaxing glass of wine? From our friends over at Patriot Wine, where they've got vineyards down in Argentina, some of the highest in the world. Grapes grown at 9,000 feet. Families that have been doing this for hundreds of years. Great foreign imported wine that they'll let you take advantage of. Great red wines. We've all tried these. We all love them. All right. Uh, And you will get to high quality wine without paying a premium price. In fact, you can get 50% off right now. No promo code is necessary. When you go to PatriotWine2021.com, that's PatriotWine2021.com to take 50% off. Now, on today's show, you may have noticed the sweater that I am wearing today. All right. This is some of the new merch we have at our Blaze shop. All right. The link to it is on my Twitter and on my Facebook pages uh, pinned to the top of each of those. All right. If you go there and use the promo code DACE20, you can get 20% off. Dace 20 for 20% off your order and you too can get an ugly let's go Brandon Christmas sweater and we've got all kinds of other blaze TV or Steve day show merch uh, or let's go Brandon merch as well. I got to my son Noah asked me for a let's go Brandon hoodie so he will be wearing that to school. Uh, It's chapel day so he can't wear it today. He's disappointed. All right, so first day that he's allowed to wear it, he is going to bust that thing out and wear that to school tomorrow. All right, so Dace 20 is where you can go and get one of these ugly Christmas Let's Go Brandon sweatshirts. You guys have yours? Yeah. I know you're excited about that, right? Of course. Yes, of course you are. Uh, Also on the show today, uh, a couple of housekeeping items. Last night, you know, there's an old adage about the invading army that crosses the the sea and when they land on the beach they burn the boats 
And when the, when the captain is asked, why did we do that? And he says to the soldiers, because now you know there's no going back. The only way out is through. We have to win. If I leave the boats here. Cortez. Yeah. Course. If I leave the boats here and the battle begins to go sideways, some of y'all are going to think, hey, you know, we can get on those boats and retreat. There will be no retreat. There will be no going back. In a way, you've kind of crossed a Rubicon here, right? As a platform at Blaze TV last night, we did that. And, um, and, and of course, it's led by our, the closest thing we have to a patriarch around here uh, in Glenn Beck. And the two-hour special that he did last night, uh, you can watch it right now at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, uh, get a discounted subscription today when you go to blazetv.com slash dace, and you'll, it, it'll be worth the money. And it's right there on the front page. We also have the Q&A that me and Daniel Horowitz and Ryan Cole did, the Mayo-trained uh, pathologist and clinician. He joined us for a Q&A to get to as many questions as we could that Big Tech doesn't even want to let you ask, let alone to allow us to answer. And so we, we clearly caught, crossed a breach as a platform last night. And as a platform, we are all in and getting to the bottom of the pit of hell that has descended upon America here in the last 20 plus months called COVID stand. And there's, if you, if you haven't watched it yet, I, I could not even do a retelling of it to do it justice. In many respects, it, it kind of served as a, as a great sequel to our book, Fauci and Bargain. When Fauci and Bargain came out in March, there were several new things there. Like a lot of people didn't know that the head of the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the former head of the Chinese bioweapons program. So there were a couple of new things in there that clearly dropped neutron bombs, but it also connected a lot of dots of the tentacles of the hydra here that we had been wrestling with for, you know, the, the 12 months prior. Glenn's special last night kind of does that with everything that we have now learned and new things we've learned since that book came out. Remember, when this book came out, you would still get banned on social media for claiming that the virus escaped from a lab and was man-made. You and still could not do that. And also, the vaccine right, regime was right. just kicking off. If, if I if, if if we had written in there, hey, looking at these human trials, we think there's limited efficacy, and you'll be needing a booster in six to nine months, we would have gotten banned for saying that. Yeah. And now Anthony Fauci's like, like well, it might just be boosters for evs, bitches, in order to consider yourself vaccinated. How you like them apples, right? Oh, and then we won't tell you what's actually in the vaccines until 2076. That's that's what the FDA is trying to do in a court of law right now as we speak. All right, 20. 76. So this went next level and the, and Glenn and his team and the visual presentation that they put together with it, um, with the clips, the emails, the chalkboards going to various different freedom of information, um, you know, essentially data dumps and fi- and, and looking at, okay, that's not re- same email, but it's not redacted in this one. And it is in this one in order to piece things together. You, it, if you care at all, about this country and your own future. This is worth two hours of your time. And it's at Blaze TV right now. You can subscribe at blazetv.com slash days. In the middle of this last night, Facebook turned us off on, on our live feed on Facebook. I am told that, the, that what triggered Facebook is that is when we told you that we went to Peter Daszak, we went to Ralph Barrick, we went to Anthony Fauci, that we went to these key figures that we discussed last night. 
and, and offered them a comment, an opportunity to respond. And they never did. And I'm told that what triggered Facebook is that we kept resetting that last night. Now, let me, let me, let me tell you what that means. Remember last fall when the New York Post came out with Hunter Biden's laptop? So pick a, somebody who's, so Rob Amari, we had him on earlier this year. I know you're a big fan, right? Okay. Um, let's say he writes a column for the New York Post. Hunter Biden's a dirt bag. I think he's a terrible person. He's a drug addict, probably corrupt and connected with the Chinese. And I, and, and I think that because I read this or that, but it's what I think. Does Twitter care? No. No. Because it's his opinion, and they can just say, yeah, silly right-wingers, tricks are for kids, right? They can do that, right? Yes. What got the New York Post, the fourth oldest newspaper in this country, founded by Alexander Hamilton, what got them banned? Evidence. That they had evidence. That it wasn't just their opinion or conjecture or their analysis, but that they had the actual laptop from hell, as it's now called. Let me put a finer point on it, because not just evidence, but broadly speaking, reality yes that they that they did not just run off half cocked that they did actual journalism they actually obtained the laptop they verified its veracity and then they covered the story in other words they did what you know the old-fashioned you don't ever want to get a phone call from mike wallace used to hear that when we were kids right sunday nights growing up i mean it was the number one show in america for 15 20 years in a row families watching watching 60 minutes just do takedowns of crooks every single week right yep they did that. They did that to the Biden political clan. And that is what was the bridge too far, that the Post actually did journalism. That's what happened to us last night. We brought the receipts. We had the goods. And then we went to the authors of those receipts and goods and asked for them to comment. We engaged them directly. Which means you know people like Anthony Fauci were calling people like Mark Zuckerberg saying, hey, no way. This can't happen. In fact, in one of the data dumps, we've got communications between Anthony Fauci and Mark Zuckerberg, in fact. So consider that if we just went on and did, you know, a, 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 a right-wing takedown, it was our own opinion, our own analysis, putting things together, ah, again, silly right-wingers. The fact that we went to these sources... And one of them, and I think one of the most pivotal moments of this special, and I don't want to spoil it yet, one of them actually responded, not Tazik, not Barrick, not Fauci. But, you know, we sat here how many times screaming and yelling, questioning, are, you know, do, how does the White House not know some of this stuff, right? right. Okay. I, I think Glenn and his team came up with part of the answer to that question last night. That there essentially was... Uh, there, there was a fountainhead here. There, there was somebody jam, gumming up the works from science information between the White House and NIH. That, and, 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 and it prompted, he actually did respond, and in writing on letterhead. See, that's what prompted Facebook to pull the plug is when they realized, oh, this isn't a joke, or this isn't for clicks, or this isn't just for a bunch of right-wingers to get their jollies off of Anthony Fauci's a bad guy that cost Trump the election. You guys, uh, you, 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 you're serious with this. This is, you're playing for keeps. This is serious work. Serious scholarship went into this. 
And that's what prompted them to pull the plug. Because they're not enemies, folks, of conservatism or even Christianity or the Bible. When, when they appear to be enemies of those things, it's because those things are advancing, proselytizing, or seeking what these big tech oligarchs and the regime is truly an enemy of. The truth. Because their father is the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. They want the truth chloroformed. They don't care about our narrative. They don't. You can call, I could have called Anthony Fauci a Nazi 50 times on Facebook last year, and nobody would have said a word. But pointing out with evidence that he very well could have funded the research that created COVID-19, that's got to go. Because what they're an enemy of here is the truth. They don't want the truth. They have exchanged the truth for a lie. So they've been given over to their own depraved minds. Can I give you a little theology Thursday early on here? Do you mind? I demand it. Because that's exactly what this is about. These these are entities and institutions who are enemies of the truth. If they weren't, they would welcome these questions, invite us into the arena, and crush us with the truth. Why don't they want these questions? The same reason inquisitions never want them. The same reason intifadas never want them. Because they're not on the side of truth, and they don't want that exposed. That's another reason why. I mean, this this week already, it's not even over yet. It's Thursday morning. Facebook on my page this week has fake-checked me with something I didn't actually say in the post that they, they fake-checked. They made a claim against me of something I didn't that, that I, what I said wasn't true, and it's not what I even said. And then they fake-checked me again yesterday when I posted their own narrative in response to something. They fake-checked that. My time is probably limited there. After last night, our time may very well be limited on very many of these platforms. And now you know why others who have platforms our size or bigger don't kind of go there. Because it's not like we won't lose money by being absent of these huge platforms and the ability to monetize them. But there comes a point in time. Either we're here to win this war or we're not. Either we're people of positions. where we fight like crazy as much as we can until we can't violate the paradigm and then we just change what our position is. Or we are people of convictions and realize that ultimately what we need to fight is, is the paradigm. That is what we have to fight. And last night as a platform, we crossed, we crossed that ocean. We have burned the boats. We cannot go back now. And that is why if you've ever been, ever been on the fence, any, any minute now, and nothing may happen, who knows? But any minute now, you could find out you're no longer getting access to us via your Facebook page or Twitter account or some other free means that you can count on. And this isn't a ministry. We don't get by on nonprofit donations. We have to monetize this. It is a business. It's our jobs. So if you want to support this kind of work and make sure you constantly and consistently can have access to it, the best way, like the conversation we had the other day about Bitcoin, was what? Peer-to-peer, right? Right. Peer-to-peer transactions. That's what Blaze TV is. It is a peer-to-peer transaction. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you can go. It's 10 bucks a month. 
I mean, I, I cannot imagine there is a better $10 a month investment you would make outside of investing into your own kids, another 10 bucks, or, you know, some group like Compassion International where you're sponsoring a kid in a third world country. I cannot imagine a better 10 bucks a month you will spend because we're seeking the truth here. Because ultimately, it's the truth that sets us free. So blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go to get a discounted subscription now. And with that, apologize for the delay, Aaron. Here is his rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Chaos. The prosecution in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is claiming, quote, technological glitches caused them to provide the defense with a low-resolution drone video of a key piece of evidence that would have been central to their case. You can see in this side-by-side video from the Columbia Bugle, the clear difference in the version provided to the defense and the original version kept by the prosecution. The high-definition version clearly shows Rittenhouse did not point his gun at the child rapist Rosenbaum prior to Rosenbaum lunging at Rittenhouse. The revelation has thrown the trial into chaos with the defense asking for a mistrial without prejudice. Eagle-eyed viewers of the trial noted that the prosecution's John Krause, the individual responsible for providing the defense with all evidence, has two programs installed on his computer, Handbrake and Format Factory, both programs designed to manipulate video resolution and aspect ratio. It's unclear where the trial will go from here. In other news, OSHA has now suspended its vaccine mandate for large businesses. This comes after multiple courts put a stay on the overboard constitutional infraction. Democrats gathered yesterday to push for the passage of the Build Back Better package. It is a moral issue if you believe, as I do, that this is God's creation and we have a moral obligation to be good stewards. But even if you don't share that view religiously, we all share it morally. Last year with COVID was awful. But in a few years, because of climate change, each year will be worse than COVID and each year will be worse than the next if we don't do anything about it. Regarding the price tag on his Build Back Better agenda, Biden says it's fully paid for. Fully, fully paid. It does not increase the deficit one single cent. As a matter of fact, it reduced the deficit, according to the experts. About that pesky inflation, Kamala Harris says. And it's it's rough. Uh, Groceries, the cost of groceries has gone up. The cost of gas has gone up. And as this is all happening in the context of two years of a pandemic. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis is set to sign a bill that would ban vaccine mandates in his state by forcing multiple categories for exemptions for businesses who want to impose the jab on their employees. He's set to sign the bill in Brandon, Florida. The country of Ireland, with its 93% vaccination rate, is reimposing COVID-19 restrictions, including a midnight curfew after an explosion of new cases in the Isles. The Czech Republic is joining Germany and Austria in locking down the unvaccinated only. And finally, Stanford's Dr. Scott Atlas was interviewed by Fox News' Tucker Carlson about his experience working on the White House Coronavirus Task Force. These people, there was never any indication that they knew the papers, cited a paper, or, or even criticized a paper, not one. Uh, and as I say in the book, I mean, there were things, there were medical words being mispronounced in the meetings. There were statements being made that were just, I was looking around and sort of saying, did anyone else hear this but me? 
I mean, I've, I've never worked with people at this level in my career as I did in that task force. And I'm not saying at a high level. Okay, I'm saying at a low level. I've worked at the, some of the best medical centers in the country, University of Pennsylvania, University of Chicago. I was a medical student, Stanford University, Mount Sinai in New York. I, I always would say, the, I'm not sure these people could have been assistant professors where I worked. I mean, there was a lack of critical thinking, a lack of preparation, uh, no one-sided data but me. And that's what happened while we were away. I wish I could say I was surprised to hear that. Remember how I kept, how I've said before, I don't assume I'm smarter than all these people that have been doing this in this field all of these years. What bothers me, what upsets me, is that I know that I'm not. Is that I know that I'm not more knowledgeable about this than, I, than they are, and yet I am easily able to deconstruct all of their fallacies. That's not good. That's, that's the most disturbing thing of them all. I mean, if this, if, this was, if this was a smart sinister, things would not have gone down like this. It's that we're not just getting sinister. It's stupid. It's really, really stupid. It's, 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 it's let's just all drink Kool-Aid at the end. Stupid. Because culture's stupid. Groupthink makes idiots of us all. Aaron's Montage. Brought to you by Rough Greens. It is the supplement for your pet that we have been telling you about for a couple of years now. Our dog, Cap, loves this stuff. Maybe, though, you're concerned your dog won't, right? Here's one way to find out. Uh, because chances are the vitamins, minerals, nutrients that your pet needs stripped out of that food before it ever left the factory, before it ever arrived at the store. For the same reason, they strip a lot of that stuff out of the people food. That's why we have to take supplements these days because of all the mass distribution and processing and everything else. And so now there's a supplement for your pet. It's called Rough Greens. You sprinkle it in with the food your pet loves to restore it to its true nutritional value. And if you want to find out, if you, see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, go to roughgreens.com and get a free bag to start you today. You pay for the shipping, but the first 14-day Jumpstart bag is on us when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. DeSantis signing those bills. We went over the details of them in the overtime yesterday, by the way. Aaron kind of gave you the key highlight here. And that is, this is actually very cleverly written legislation. Because it is, it is written with the intent of, of court review. It's written with, or I should say, it's written under the assumption of, of th that this will be reviewed in courts. It, the, the intent of the legislation is to specifically practice what our founders would have called interposition. And this is where, sometimes it's referred to as the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. This is where the lesser magistrate interposes between the constituents under his charge and the entity that is attempting to impose upon their constitutional freedoms and liberties. This is, this is what federalism means. Federalism doesn't mean that the states just get to do whatever they want, that the, that, that's not one of the enumerated powers of, of the feds. 
that's not an incorrect definition. It's just not a sufficient one. For example, why am I Amy's husband? Because I'm married to her. That makes me her husband. Is that, a, is that technically the definition of a husband? Yeah. Is that the sufficient definition of a husband? Is, is that all I'm inclined to be and entitled and required to be no. is simply married to her? No. Right? Similarly, there's more to federalism than that. The point was, well, let's just let the states do all this evil to people. And then call it constitutional because it doesn't come from Washington. No, we, we had that argument. It was called the Civil War. Now, that's not the point of federalism. The point of federalism is not so that states... By the way, is Glenn Youngkin watching and listening today, the oh, governor-elect of Virginia? Let, let, let's, Glenn, if you're there, uh, please, uh, cozy up closer here to the speaker, if you don't mind, sir. This is your schoolhouse okay? rock. Yes. Um, federalism does not mean that a lower form of government, and not necessarily lower in stature, just lower in terms of its location to the constituent, that a lower form of government, it's okay... It's okay to do terrible things to people if it's done at a local level or a state level. That's not what the intent of federalism is. That's a bastardization of it. Federalism's intent is to protect us from evil, not to pass the jurisdictional authority of the evil. That's not what federalism is. What Ron DeSantis is practicing here, Glenn, can I call you that? What Ron DeSantis is practicing here, Glenn, is what's called interposition. He did this first by interposing against localities that wanted to impose this evil upon of COVID stand upon their people by saying, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care if you're some blue city or district. You're not doing this. They took them to court. They got their asses kicked and now they're not doing it anymore. This is your job, Glenn. Your job is not, well, yeah, if they want to they muzzle your kid locally, it's okay. I mean, if they want to tell your kid locally they can't go to school without a jab, that's okay. No, Glenn. No, that's not your job, Glenn. Your job is to defend people's constitutional freedoms and liberties against all enemies, both foreign and what? Foreign and what? Domestic. Domestic. Is a mayor who wants to violate my constitutional freedoms and liberties of the city I live in, is he a domestic enemy? Yes. Yes, and therefore, if you have sworn an oath to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, is he now your enemy? Mm. Yes, he is, because he's an enemy of the people, and you are the people's representative. And so what Ron DeSantis is practicing here is aggressive interposition. He is doing this with the intent of thwarting the federal government's ability to impose this OSHA mandate on you should someone else later on lift the current stay against it. And doing so under the, uh, with the purpose, expressed written purpose of knowing this will go to court. That's why the bill is written in certain ways. That's why the bill is written with the list of exemptions that it has. It doesn't, that's why the bill doesn't flat out ban a vaccine mandate in Florida. Because that would prompt a larger question that we have less of an opportunity to win. Because, for example, do we really want to set the precedent? Because if, if OSHA says, hey, you can't make employees uh, breathe carbon dioxide, and the state of Florida decides, well, yeah, you can. Do we, we, do we side with OSHA on that or Florida? I it, can't tell it, at this point. Is, is, the, is, it, is, it, oh, is, it, is it is it okay carbon dioxide because it came from the states? It's the state carbon di- the state it's the, it's the state enforced carbon dioxide uh, in, inhalation so it doesn't choke you out as bad because it came from the states and not from the capital is that how this works or is the carbon dioxide inhalation bad no matter what Todd I wish you were going to extremes to make a point but you're not even going to no extremes. I'm not 
We're talking about injecting substances into people. They won't tell us what's in it until 2076. Okay? More than 100 years after I was born. No, I'm not going to extremes. Bad intruder, dumb. Yes. And so they're not doing that. They're not saying that there is no federal jurisdiction through OSHA. With the, the way the legislation is written is to actually enforce and, and recodify into law what have always been acceptable exemptions for vaccine requirements. Religious exemptions, natural immunity, I have a health concern. Because we're not, are we, how many of these are we recognizing right now in the Biden mandate? Any of these five, how many of them? Uh, uh, it's a low number. Zero, Poco. zero. Yeah, they're 0 for, 4, 0 for 5, okay? And so I love the way this legislation is written because it reverses their premise and uses it against them. Hey, we're not, we're just, we're just here in Florida upholding what has been the traditional, you know, way of doing things. You guys are the ones in violation. It puts them on the defensive. How do you justify ignoring these five exemptions that in the past we've always, we've always acknowledged? Why, now you have to quantify for us that this is that level of threat that it merits this level of imposition on, upon people's liberty. And now, who does the burden of proof rely upon? Us or them? Them. Them. And where does it belong? Them. They're the prosecutor here, right? Yeah. They're the plaintiff here, right? Who does the burden of proof therefore always rely yes, upon them. in such an equation? Them. That's where it belongs. This is very well done. Hopefully, Glenn Youngkin, you were taking notes here. You know, um, I just tried something that's about to come out from Built Bar. And if you guys run this tape back and try to corner me that I ever said this once into a live mic, I will, I will still vehemently deny it. But it's a new flavor coming out of a Built Bar puff. Those are the ones that are, you know, the ones that are the marshmallow-based protein bars. It's actually better. It's even better than the pumpkin one. It's even better than the pumpkin one. It is called Ruby Chocolate. And I just, the first time I took a bite, I'm like, holy cow. Like the first, this, this is going to be in the top five of my Bill Bar Flavor Power Ratings. Could even get to as high as three. That's how good this is. Okay, but here's the thing with Bilt Bar. Even though I'm telling you about a flavor that's not even out yet, there's already been like six flavors that are already out that I had this exact same reaction. In fact, I had this exact same reaction the first time I ever tried over a year ago, just the regular old assortment box. I was like, there's no way these are protein bars. Way, all right? Loaded with protein, flavor, covered in chocolate, not loaded with calories, carbs, and sugars. Absolutely the best protein bar you will ever try. And there is no close second whatsoever. I was doing some shopping at Costco yesterday. They were uh, offering samples of their protein bars. They're like, do you want to give it a shot? I'm like, no, I already got mine. I know what I, I, but thank you. Appreciate it. If you want to get yours, all right, go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for built.com, I love the look you give me when I do built bar, Todd. You have this look like you you feel like you should chime in, but you're not sure if I'm inviting you to or if I'm just 
waxing poetic and you don't want to interrupt my built bar soliloquy. I right? saw that. My built bar homage. I didn't just hear you say it now. I saw it with my own eyes. It's like remove your sandals for you on holy ground yes, moment. That's, I, there you go. Yes. I just don't want to get in the way. The ruby chocolate built bar puff new flavor is a yowza. All right. So built.com. B-U-I-L-T. They've got built balls now. That's what they're calling them. They're, <laughs> that's what they're calling. I love it. But it is. It's it and it looks like a little buckeye ball. If you've if you guys know that treat, you know what buckeye balls are, right? Yes, of course. I mean that's those are almost impossible to make at home. I've tried. And you like learned. them so much you overlook the name. That's right. That's how much I like. But my Aunt Joanne, God rest her soul, used to make these for me every Christmas yeah, and Thanksgiving. Did too. Yeah. I love them so much. They've got kind of a, a buckeye ball flavor. It's peanut butter on top and a chocolate uh they're called built balls. That's 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 what they're called. So you can get your built balls or you can get the built bar or the built puff, whichever you prefer. When you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, use the promo code DACE. Get 15% off. I did it this morning. I ordered a new flavor coming out, vanilla cream. I ordered a box of those and used my own name as a promo code. Built.com. Just got a note from uh, a woman says, I'm going to meet with Glenn Youngkin tomorrow. After listening to your show, what would you like me to tell him? Uh, remind him that he got elected by people tired of trying to impose wickedness and vileness and tyranny uh, via local school boards. And his job is absolutely to interpose against all enemies of the Constitution, both foreign and domestic. There's no such thing as it's just a local vaccine jab. So it's it's the local government, not my problem. He's going to take an oath of office here in a couple of months to defend your commonwealth against all enemies of the Constitution, both foreign and domestic. Do your job. That's what you should tell them. Now, if you don't mind, can we take just a little bit of a break? Because we got Theology Thursday coming up next hour. We're getting into some heavy material there. And I don't care what you say, man. It's 30 degrees outside right now. And it it does feel a lot like Christmas, does it not? Let's talk about a new book coming out called Life on Christmas Eve. It's a novel by Nathan Nipper. He joins us now here on the program. Nathan, it's good to have you with us. Brother, how are you? Steve, doing doing great. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are. I mean, you kind of you're kind of connected to what we do here a little bit. So give it give our audience a little of the 411 on Nathan Nipper. Yeah, well, the the main connection, you're right, is a big one. Um I am on Glenn's team. I've been a writer for for on Glenn's team, primarily for the TV show, but we do stuff for radio as well uh, for uh, going on six years now. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great team. It's been a fantastic experience. I've loved my time there, and um, it's never a dull moment really working for Glenn Beck. It isn't. And for for those that don't that wonder, what are the people like in this business in real life when you watch them or listen to them? And, um, you know, we kind of, we like to, we kind of try to be self-aware and consider ourselves to be kind of a nice upper class, uh, upper middle class show. All right. You know, Glenn is living in, you know, the gated community, uh, portion of conservative media. And I will tell you though, if you've, if you get to know him or spend any 10, 15 minutes with him, you would not know it. And, uh, the amount of uh, just graciousness and dignity that uh, he treats people with, and I think I think that you see that in 
the ability that people feel freely to speak their points of view rather than to try to conform to an overall platform narrative that 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 begins and ends in terms of setting that 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 tone with Glenn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you're right. People wonder, you know, what a celebrity. I mean, let's face it, Glenn's a huge, huge name. And what is it like um, outside of his show? And the funny thing about Glenn is it's almost exactly what you get. What you what you see and hear on his show is how he is in person. I mean, in almost six years there, there has not been a day that I have not laughed. <laughs> He's, he has a wonderful sense of humor. And, you know, if, if people who listen to Glenn uh, will know that he wears his heart on his sleeve, really, in his shows, and he's just a genuine person. You know, that's that's who he is. Very generous, like you said, and uh, just a pleasure to work with. Well, let's get to your book, Life on Christmas Eve. All right, when you invoke one of the greatest movies of all time, It's a Wonderful Life. It's in my all-time top 10. I watch it at least once every year. Over the last 10 years or so, I've started a little tradition on my Twitter account where I watch it either the you know right on Christmas Eve or right before and do a live thread tweeting it out, you know, my reactions watching the film. It's an all-time American classic. So you kind of had me hooked when you invoked that uh, as, as part of your story. But tell us a little bit about this book and why you chose to write it. Yeah, I mean, I, that concept is uh, because it is one of my all-time favorite movies as well. And basically, the concept, the high concept of the story is about a, a 31-year-old small-town woman who, after some arm-twisting from her best friend, watches It's a Wonderful Life for the very first time. And shortly after she does, she starts to notice some um, unusual similarities between a few things that happened to her and things that happened uh, in the movie. And so her quest basically to figure out why these things might be happening and what they might mean, if anything, uh, leads her to an encounter with a, a vulnerable stranger on Christmas Eve, a life-changing encounter. So, you know, it's a fun, uh, slightly quirky, uh, heartwarming story, very uplifting. I mean, I'm unapologetic about that. Uh, but I hope that it also packs kind of a surprise, uh, emotional sucker punch in a good way uh, in the end and uh, kind of the, the overarching theme that it invokes. What is the overarching theme that it invokes without giving the story away, Nathan? Yeah, it, it does have a bit of a surprise ending. I mean, I think that the, the, the savviest reader uh, will probably crack the code, <laughs> but it, the overarching theme is the inherent value of each individual life. And without giving too much away, the story does not deal uh, specifically with an abortion, with abortion. It, it's, a, it's not a political story at all. This is kind of my break from politics, right? Uh, but it does, I, I hope that it provides a different lens for considering the unborn. Hmm. How come we don't get a lot of these kinds of requests for our show um, from the right in terms of fictional or creative writing? And mm -hmm. how come we don't do more of this, do you think? 
Where, where, where's our Where's oh, our man. Tolkien and Lewis getting together in a pub, you know, uh, off campus, and realizing, crap, man, we aren't writing good stories anymore. That you know, with timeless truths, we got to get back to that. And out of those conversations came uh, the the Middle Earth and Narnia. Okay, and so where where how come where, why why aren't conservatives we're the we're the ones trying to conserve these timeless tr- stories and truths that that are inherent you know to the human condition why aren't we attempting to do more of what you're trying to do in this book yeah that's a great point um i wish i knew the definitive answer i mean i think that there's a couple of things one would be uh, the overarching educational culture specifically college culture in America. Look, we know that it leans overwhelmingly left and uh, it takes over sort of culture. And unfortunately that includes uh, creative kind of endeavors, you know, from movies, TV, music even, but especially literature. Um, And the second thing is that frankly, in, in church culture, I'm a Christian, longtime believer. Uh, I don't think that we encourage this nearly enough mm-hmm. in, in churches. It's just not a, a priority to encourage, especially in youth as they come along. And so too often, you know, if, if let's say young people in church culture show uh, an affinity for more creative sort of projects or, or have that, that leaning in whatever area it, it would be, writing or music or anything, it's not really encouraged all the time, you know? And so perhaps culturally that becomes sort of a, uh, for people, something, young people growing up, something that they see as, well, maybe that's not really important. Maybe, maybe God doesn't want me to use that gift in that way. And they sort of veer off into other things. Uh, You know, that's obviously painting with a broad stroke, but I think there is uh, less of a culture of, hey, this is something important you can communicate timeless truths in creative ways and and it's just not a priority for us generally in Christian culture in America. So what I hear you saying is um we serve a lord who spent a predominant amount of his time in his three and a half years of ministry um curtailing his his messages into stories that we now call parables. Uh, so they would be easily accessible right. and understandable for the people at the time. But we just have decided, you know, as his followers, really there's just not much time or much of a market for that. Is that kind of what I hear you saying a little bit? <laughs> yeah, basically we're we're shutting Jesus's primary uh, communication tool, right? Yes. Um, no, when you, when you put it that way, I mean, yeah, it, it seems kind of absurd that we would cast that aside. And of course, there's there's an industry. There are a lot of Christian writers. Um, this is something that still happens, but it's, I guess, if, if you ranked it, creative endeavors in the church just isn't really a, a, a high-level priority, I don't feel like. So how can people get the book, and who's the audience for the book? Who do you think is the ideal reader for this? I got about two minutes. Go ahead. Sure. Um well, people can order it uh, just about anywhere, all the, the major retailers, although uh, after a, uh, being on Glenn's show the other day, Amazon was, was wiped out. So you might have to be Yeah, he has a tendency to do that. Getting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty great at that. Um, so, you know, 
frankly, this is not going to appeal probably to a lot of male readers, uh, as becomes clear as as you read it. Um, I think it's it's primarily female driven because the main character is a female and uh, and it deals with her family and various relationships. Uh, doesn't mean that guys won't enjoy it, but I think that the the main audience is primarily women. All right. Name of the book is Life on Christmas Eve by Nathan Nipper. And it's good to meet you, man. Thanks for the work you do here uh, with the network. And uh, congrats on the book and much success. All right. Merry Christmas. I don't care what Todd says. (laughs) Thanks so much, Steve. All right. Take care. Why don't we spend more time telling stories? I mean, most of the most quotable things Christ says are stories. The prodigal son, the lost sheep, right? Um, Why don't we, why don't we tell stories then? Well, there's a reason why our colloquialisms very much throughout much of uh, American history were biblical is because we were so deeply immersed in it, but now they come from pop culture. Uh, we, we just spend more time doing things other than being in the Word. So we and, just outsourced it to them, and we just react to what they come up with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even your average Christian, I listen, spends way more time, and I put myself way more time watching TV and all other manner of stuff than being in the word. And back then that was that not only was that your scripture, but it was your entertainment. It was the greatest story mm-hmm. ever told. And we don't connect with that aspect of it. It'd be really cool is if, if, if someone came up with like an original Christian story and wrote a book about it and, and then they were able to like turn that into a movie or something. I'm, I'm in. That could be cool. I mean, if the book is good. If the book's if, not good, then it's not cool, right? But that would be if, cool. If the coattails are big enough, I'll promote the heck out of that thing. Particularly yeah. if it like went into a genre that typically isn't associated with Christian storytelling. Like sure. the like, horror genre, for example. So broaden the potential audience. Yeah, so you're, yes, you're yeah. going to a group of people with a message in a format that so, they typically would not otherwise be so, willing to receive. So go to Nineveh. Maybe. Yes, yeah. yeah. You have any thoughts on that as an idea, or just throwing that out there? What do you think, Eric? I mean, that sounds like a, a good idea. I mean, I think Christians already have kind of the the Superman genre pinned down. Bible man, of course, don't really forgot need about Bible man. Don't really need any more superheroes like that. So branch out by all means. Branch out into the uh, forgot about Bible man. into the horror genre. Just make sure you get your uh, verse your your VPM your verse per minute uh, Bible verse, verse per, per minute, minute. Um, quota. <laughs> Into whatever endeavor this. Remember that was the is. guy that was on Eight Is Enough when we were kids. Was Bible Man one of the one of the Willie, brothers? Willie Ames. Willie Ames. That's right. Was on Charles in Charge too. Nice. He used to dominate, dude. Battle of Network Stars back in the day. Hour two is next. Greetings, and we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and of course, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, at least for now. I'm clearly on the hit list. 
Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for us as well at MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And then get clips of the show over on rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you want to get last night's Q&A that we did uh, for Blaze TV, it is now archived and posted for Blaze TV subscribers. And there's no way we could post. I mean, people are asking, you put this on YouTube. Guys, are, are you serious? No way. Okay, that's... That, that's why you want to become a Blaze TV subscriber, because increasingly there's less of a willingness to tolerate the truth on these platforms. All right. So BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you can go to subscribe to Blaze TV and watch last night's Q&A with Dr. Ryan Cole, Mayo trained pathologist and our very own weekly prophet of woe and lamentation and yours truly. And you can watch Glenn's entire two-hour dynamite special last night at blazetv.com. Uh, if you are a podcast listener, thank you so much for doing that because you're one of the biggest factors in this show's success. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, please, if you have yet to do so, leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe or follow. So many of you have and, and have contributed to our success and we're honored and very, very thankful. Thank you. Uh, also... Want to let you know that our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are in the fight against COVID. Stan, they have gone to war uh, against the Biden, the unethical, wicked, evil, immoral Biden attempt at a vaccine mandate. All right, but remember, they do all this pro bono. All right, so they get by on donations. If you're looking, particularly here at the end of the year, uh, this is the most uh, wonderful time of the year for charitable giving. If you're looking for a tax deductible donation that will also serve a righteous cause, go to adflegal.org slash Steve. That's adflegal.org slash Steve. I don't know of a legal advocacy group on the right that has a better record uh, during the course of my career of success than they do. And that's why I was disappointed earlier this year that they were not uh, on the front lines of the battle against COVID stand. And that's why I'm glad to bring them back now that they are. And I put my own money where my mouth is. I sent them a donation too. All right. ADFlegal.org slash Steve. The more we can weaken this mandate in various federal courts before it eventually gets to SCOTUS, and it will, the more likely we can win there. All right. ADFlegal.org slash Steve. If you want to make a tax deductible gift against uh, COVID stand and the fight against COVID stand with Alliance Defending Freedom today. Okay, um, let's get to some Theology Thursday. And I'm going to start, I'm, I just want to read Dwayne's email verbatim, and then we'll go through the points and the questions that he raises, okay? He writes, I am aligned with the tenets of Christianity in terms of my own morality. The fact that I am not an active church member, though, may seem odd, and it is. Obviously, my initial assertion is wrong. I go back and forth trying to reconcile reality Pardon me, with Christian teaching. Here are some questions for you, which may be already answered, and perhaps I'm just ignorant. Why does not God why does God simply not declare himself in our modern world? Why do we have to suffer through this quagmire of unknowing and faith only to realize his glory? I know these kinds of questions may seem like satanic taunts, but seriously, there must be some truths out there in response. Otherwise, we're just talking about something that is simply a belief. What makes it more than just a belief? Dwayne, first of all, and this is why I wanted to read this all the way through before we tackled these points. These things aren't satanic taunts at all. These are the most important like questions. Some of them, 
There's a couple of others that didn't make your list. But these are like on the greatest hits of the most important questions you could ever ask about the claims of Christianity or frankly any religion if you're a truth seeker. Well, you guys feel like this was some kind of a, these questions were trolls or taunts? No. Quite the opposite. I think no. they're very smart questions to be asking. I mean, I'd, I'd be pleased to have <clears throat> this conversation approached to me over yeah. beers on a regular basis yes. rather than what we normally devolve into. No. So, no. so these aren't trolls or taunts whatsoever. In fact, you're asking questions about, there's a word here, transcendence. You're asking questions about Man, pardon me. You're asking questions about transcendence. Satanic taunts don't do that. They don't. The enemy doesn't want transcendence even contemplated. So, so they ask questions. Satanic taunts are usually things that are derivative of materialism, because the enemy doesn't want you to consider transcendence. So, I think these are great questions. And I look forward to the conversation we're about to have, doing our very best to answer them. Let's let's start with the very first one, because there's only two. So let's start with the first one. See what I did there? I'm, don't say I'm not clever. There's only two, so let's start with the first. You're sharp as Thank a jack. You. Thank you. Okay, you got to get up pretty early. Slip one past the old dacer, right? And don't ever gloss yourself. I just violated the dude code. I'm very sorry. It is a dude code violation. You cannot gloss yourself. I violated that. <clears throat> I've now got to follow Lindsey Graham into the bathroom and commit another dude code violation. Todd, your thoughts? I'm pretending that last 30 seconds of whatever it was never happened. <laughs> you look so immensely uncomfortable with all the, the Lindsey Graham blasts. You like your shoulders. You ever notice this, Aaron? It's like shoulders get all bunched up and he gets really tense and tight. You're just not, you're not comfortable with the Lindsey Graham uh, vernacular. You're not comfortable with it. No. no. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to be. It, it, it's supposed to get that reaction. And the ner- and the laughter should not be like a belly laugh, but like no. a, a nervous laugh. Like, I think it's kind of funny. I'm also kind of sickened. Uh, but it, is, is it okay to find it humorous? And why are we even talking about this? It should be that kind of a laugh, right? And it is. And it is. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. All right. So let's get to Dwayne's first question. Why does God simply not just declare himself in our modern world? Now... My initial answer to this, I, I want to state this up front, I don't mean for it to come off flippantly. Okay? And you'll know when I intend to, when I dismiss your challenges to me, I don't provide that disclaimer and I just say what I was going to say because I want you to see I am dismissing it with prejudice flippantly. It's beneath the dignity of wasting my time. It's such a stupid point. Fair? Fair. I'm not doing that here, though. It's going to just sound flippant, but my, my, my heart and motivation is not for it to be taken flippantly, okay? I think I have the exact same answer as you. Okay. Dwayne, what was the interview we just did? It was about a book. When's the book take place? Christmas. On Christmas. What time of year is it, even though you refuse to recognize it, all right, um, because you like to be wrong. But what time of the year is it? Let's, let's get to a permanent agreement on that. It's it's clearly Christmas preseason. So, all right. How can Christmas we... Pre-season. That's what this is. These are practice Christmas games? How about we do that? We're yeah. just warm up, you warm up the tree, you find out what take, ornaments are going to get cut. Take the W. Right? That is a chink in Todd's armor You know right what, you're there. right. I, I got to take the W. Thank you. I'll take yes for an answer. Right. Go home tonight. I'll lay out my Christmas ornaments. 
Final cuts, guys. Here's who makes the Christmas tree this year yes. during the Christmas preseason. The Turk shows up. Oh, we're not putting that nativity out this year. No. I mean, I got nativity sucks. All right. It was last year's nativity. All right. I like it. All right. So this is the Christmas preseason. Um, what is Christmas? Christmas is, well, I'll use your words, Dwayne. Christmas is when God declared himself to, at the time, the modern world. Christmas is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. What is, what's Emmanuel mean? It's a word that translates to God with us. God is here. Physically. Manifestly. And the modern world of the time will have an opportunity to see God, like, grow up. God get his diapers changed. God be nursed, burped, dressed, taught to walk, taught manners, to eat, expectations, chores. God learned a trade. We have a... We have a painting at our house that I absolutely love. You know, I love that episode one poster. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest teaser posters in the history of movies where little Anakin is walking down the the the, the sand yeah. and on the rock cast the shadow of Darth Vader, right? One of the greatest unrealized visuals in yes. all of cinema history. And, little, yes. and then you went and saw episode one and realized that was actually the best yes. scene in the movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. That Darth Maul is not in, I should say. But we digress. Yeah, yes, but I digress. We have a similar painting like this at our house that I love, and it's a painting of a, of a child Yeshua, that would have been his Jewish name, of a child Yeshua working in his, in his earthly father Joseph's uh, shop yeah, this is as great. a carpenter. And he's learning the skill. He's learning the trade. And as the sun comes in through the window and his reflection comes off the sun, that reflection is the cross. Mm-hmm. I love that painting. Okay. It, it hangs up in my family room. So he learned a skill. He learned a trade. He had to make a living. Had to pay his bills. He went to school. Had to learn a language. Had to be potty trained. Had to be sent to bed. Hungered, thirsted. Is that a word? Thirst. Yeah. I think it's by itself, actually. Thirst. He hungered. He thirst. He bled. Wept. Laughed. Suffered. He 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 engaged and died. He, he lived the entire human experience except for marriage. But then he has his own bride called the church. God did do that. That's, that's what Christmas is about. That's what most of the lyrics are for, for the traditional Christmas songs that we sing this time of year. That... Um, that God is here. God left his word. So he, so he, so God gave us a physical manifestation of his presence. He then, he then gave us 
a, communicative, a, a communication embodiment of his presence called his word. And for the and, and where we have preserved for eternity his thoughts, even his desires, his frustrations, his law, his edicts, his prophecies. You have the full revelation of God preserved and revealed to a modern world for thousands of years of a modern world. And then for the last 2,000 years of modernity, God has revealed himself to, a, to, the, to the modern world through his people, through indwelling them, through inspiring them to do things that had never been done in the world until he sent his spirit, the creation of hospitals, orphanages, Many of, the things that, many of the things that we take for granted today as expressions of love or mercy never existed until God's Spirit began to inhabit His people and dwell them, the hope of glory, Christ in them. God lives now through you. And with that leading and inspiration... Many of the things that we take for granted in our modern world as expressions of charity and grace and mercy are actually manifestations of God's will living through us. In other eras, in other eras, he appeared as natural phenomenon, a consuming fire, a burning bush. I don't know, guys. I mean, and and I think Dwayne. A lot of people maybe don't know this because we live in the one of the the, le- the least biblically literate era in the history of this country. But outside of why doesn't God appear directly in front of me? And then I would ask, well. What is so special about you that you believe you get to summon God? Like, who's God? The summoner or the summonee? Typically the summoner, mm-hmm. you know? You kind of, if, if you want to assert that, you kind of have an inverted view of your place in this relationship. But if you look at the totality of space and time, I, I don't know how else, what else God could do. He's done it all. Natural phenomenon. It gave you a creation to wonder, where did this come from? Why do we have souls? Why don't the animals? Why do we practice things like mercy and grace amongst ourselves? Why are we the only beings on this third rock from the sun that do that? Why do I need forgiveness? Why do I why do I have this longing? Where did it come from? Why isn't it fulfilled? Um, I, I don't I think when you stop and look at the totality of what God has done to reveal himself, I'm not exactly sure short of 
some incantation where you believe you can conjure him up to appear directly to you. Um, and that's, you know, demons do that. That's called the occult. I, I don't know what else God could do to, to declare himself, to make it plain, as Paul said. you have any thoughts on that one? Either one of you. Yeah, it's it's all right there. We're in eyes to see, ears to hear territory. And that's not separating us from you. Us as individuals, we, we come and go on that spiritually. On any given day, I do have them or I don't based on where my uh, mind at and how centered I am on the Lord versus other things. But if you need help cinematically for what we're talking about here, I think, you know, feel the dreams. Timothy Busfield, smart guy, skeptic all the way through, can't see the ghosts or anything like that at the end. He's like, when did all these guys show up? Mm -hmm. But also, more important, biblically, this is exactly what happens uh, on the road to Emos. The risen Lord appears uh, to two guys, and two guys are telling Jesus himself about Jesus rising, but they don't recognize him. And they travel together for a while, and then... Finally, summoner, you talk about the breaking of the bread, uh, the blessing, and their eyes are opened, and they see him. Mm-hmm. He was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. This is, and this is the point you're searching for. Uh, I think you need to, what Steve talks about, and it's been very much about politics and culture, and very importantly so, but get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think perhaps in your life you need to introduce some some new circumstances into your life perhaps you're just on this path where you're constantly seeing the same road over and over again you need to go down some different alleys some different roads give yourself those eyes to see ears to hear different light Uh, you know i don't know for sure if that's the answer but steve's absolutely right it it's right there, and it's there all the time. You know one of the places where you could go to experience what you just described? Church. And one of the things that Dwayne said that is yeah. absent yeah. from his current spiritual experience yeah. is that. Okay? But but ultimately, that, that contemporary manifestation— God declares himself to the modern world every time every time a bold man walks into a pulpit with a calling and opens the word of God and declares it and teaches it. That is God, through him, declaring himself to the modern world. But I understand, you know, and, and this is why Todd would chime in as a Catholic. Hey, I know you guys want to pan us, but this is why we do some of these liturgies. This is, this is why there is such a... a, 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 a an emphasis at times within Catholic tradition of physical acts of worship. It's because it's a recognition of the need to experience this form of connection that you are describing. God recognized our need to experience that form of a connection. That's why he came in human form to connect with us. That's why. Okay. But this is where, you know, a small group, a men's group, a church that where you clearly have an opportunity to engage with other people and even because this is like any other relationship, man. There are days you like, you always love your wife and kids, but there are days you like them a lot more than others. Fair? Yeah. And the, and so same will go with your relationship with God. I mean, his love is unconditional, but there are there's going to be plenty of times in your life you don't necessarily feel like anything's really spiritually happening and going on. 
That's why it's called being a disciple. And disciple is the root word of what? Discipline. You stick with something. You've made a commitment to it. But the good thing about being part of a good church is when someone else that you know or you are with or in fellowship with is in that season where it's really obvious that God is really doing a work in their life, that gives you the assurance that, you know what? He is not going to leave me and forsake me. He who has begun a good work in me is faithful to complete it until the day of completion. You know, it's just, you know, right now there's, it's, it's more manifest in my buddy over here or this friend of mine over here. And, but, but I can, I can, I can be assured off of the witness of what's going on in their lives that God is still alive and active in my life too. And so one of the things I think in your questions, Dwayne, is you are a free agent and you're trying and, and, and ultimately it's about the individual relationship between you and God. You as an individual needs forgiveness. It's about your individual salvation. But you were not made to be alone. We were made for a community. We were made for one another. And that's kind of one of one of the difficult things, and this was difficult for me as a guy that comes from a philosophical background. And I can spot fallacies. I could even before I you know, was a believer. I've always been good at it. And I would ask some of the same kinds of questions you're asking now. And, and one of the things I learned about Christianity is there is a, there's a, there's, it's a paradox. And that you have to, because it's not, it's, it's, Christianity is a religion, but it's not just a religion as in, in terms of acts of worship. It's, it's not a religion, and some people say, well, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's a religion of relationship. It's not one or the other. It's this, it, it, the answer is yes. It is a religion of relationship, all right? So I have an individual relationship with God, but that God that gives me, that grants me that relationship also says, do not give up meeting with one another so that with, with one another in a corporate setting, you can still experience that individual relationship through maybe a work that I'm doing in someone else's life. And then they can maybe experience that at another time through a work I'm doing in yours. That's, that's the paradoxical tension of Christianity that you have to accept that in order for, in order for things to be understandable. For example, God is sovereign over all, but, and, and Jesus is Lord of creation, but it's not, we, we're not in the time that is the fulfillment of his kingdom at the exact same time. Is it his kingdom? Is there a square inch of this planet over which Christ does not declare that's mine, as Kuiper once said? No, of course it is. But is that fully realized right? When you look at the world, is that clearly fully realized right now? No, because there's evil in the world. And so you have to accept the paradoxical tension here. Because you, And you get that when you realize that God lives outside of our space and time. We think very linear in a very linear way. We're the guy on the side of the road watching a parade route. And we may even have the best seat in the house, okay? We're on Main Street in Pasadena for the Rose Bowl Parade. Got there at 4 a.m. We're going to see everything first. And because of the great, even if we get the best seat, we will eventually see everything, right? But, it, but we have to see the parade. We'll see everything in the parade as it gets to us. Uh-huh. From the vantage point that, God's, that God has, 
He sees the parade at the beginning, middle, and the end all at the exact same time. We don't. We see it only from the spot that we're at, and that's the first thing we see, and then we stand there and watch it till it gets to the end. So we have a tendency to think in a very linear fashion, and paradoxes can be difficult for us to therefore accept. But, but, but since God is outside of space and time, he is both imminent. He is with us. He's in, he indwells us. He communicates with us. He's also transcendent. He is above us. He is beyond us. We can't work our way to him. That connection's been severed. He has to reconnect it. And yet embrace the paradox that Christianity offers. And then it becomes much more understandable about the various um, uh, um, tensions that you are articulating. You want to add to that? Well, if implied in all this is if you had more certitude and thus were more inspired by that certitude, you'd be at church. I don't I might be overly connecting the dots, but it seems like that might be implied in here. Brother, I don't know, at least from my faith tradition and Stephen Aaron can weigh in. But if you go into that Catholic church every day, you're going to hear about let us celebrate the sacred mysteries. So, you know, you you're going to church to have your mind blown by things that are far bigger then you can understand and you only know through revelation. So, I mean, just sitting there and waiting for the anvil to drop on your head there mm-hmm. before you go to church, I, I think they're going to agree with me within their own um, uh, Protestant evangelical yeah. that you're like, you, you, you're going there to have your mind blown by a greater universe than you can possibly ever know. And thank God. God that you get to play a part in kneeling before that story. Amen. Well said. And and it's not faith only. In fact, it's 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 before we even get to faith, there's a factual assertion. Did Jesus walk out of the tomb? That occurred or it did not. That event happened or it didn't. And it's not a metaphor, or it's not that he resurrected spiritually. He walked physically. His body laid there, bandaged, broken, dead, dead as a doornail. He either walked out of that tomb on the third day, or he didn't. If he did, then then you put your faith in Christ, because he has demonstrated declared, proved to the world that he alone is the Son of God. If he didn't, don't put your faith in him. He's a liar. So you you don't start here with faith, actually. You begin with a finding of fact. He walked out of that tomb where he didn't. If he did, then you put your faith in him. And then you accept those paradoxes and tensions you don't quite understand yet because you he's demonstrated he is Lord of a greater of a greater uh, mystery playing out here by the act of walking, being once dead and no longer being so. But if that's not the case, I mean, Christianity leaves you with a very matter-of-fact proposition. When rightly divided, it does. Paul himself, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, if Christ be not raised, our preaching is in vain. We're all still dead in our sins. That's the hinge point. Did Jesus walk out of the tomb or not? If he did, then put your faith in him. If he didn't, then don't. But we don't start there with faith. We begin with a statement of fact. And it's it's the credibility of that assertion that then 
is the reason you put your faith in it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Aaron, you want to add to this before we get out of here? I would just say to the to the piece about um, you know gathering with with other believers. I mean, um, when when you are indwelled with with the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is love for the saints, and it's a little different or difficult to explain, not in a Gnostic way. But once you have a group of people, and it's common in, in this culture to have bigger churches, and so you have to meet with a smaller group of, of people, it's really weird and awkward at first. A bunch of strangers, but then you learn more about each other's lives, and you truly do care and love for each other. Even as an introvert, I don't like being around people. It's one of the most refreshing times each week when I can see those people. And I would just encourage you... Think about what you're missing out on when that when it comes to that. Well said. You know, we hear all this talk about variants, masks, vaccines, boosters, um, but very little about changing your lifestyle, better eating habits. Uh, the kinds of things, you know, that takes you away from being a prime candidate for getting sick. Uh, of course, the fake checkers go nuts when you assert things like vitamin D, uh, which is true, by the way. But it, but it doesn't matter because that truth is still out there. And that's the truth that they go by over at Brickhouse Nutrition with products like Field of Greens, which is unlike other superfoods because it uses real USDA organic fruits and vegetables that are loaded with antioxidants that help support your immune system and various other things like heart health, blood pressure, etc. Packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables. Just take a scoop, mix it into any water-based drink, and you're good to go. In that one serving, you're going to get more fruits and vegetables than the average American gets in a given day, if not longer. All right, so if you want to give it a shot today, they've got numerous flavors. Actually, it's three, so maybe that's numerous, but three different options. They all taste great. All right, uh, I've tried them all. Uh, I really like the uh, the lemon-lime. I like that one a lot. All right, so BrickHouseSteve.com. Use the promo code Steve if you want to try Field of Greens today and get 15% off your first order with the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. It is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, we need a break from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Three non-political questions, hopefully lightening the mood a little bit. Question number one. Steve, do you have an update on your movie? Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to go first on this one or I'm just kidding. Uh, No, Uh, no, I do. Actually, things are looking very good. Um, we are beginning to shoot the film right now on December 3rd. It's a Wednesday, I believe, right? Or is it December 1st? The first Wednesday in December, whatever date that is. Um, so two weeks from yesterday, uh, we begin filming in Oklahoma city. 
Um, everything's ready to go. We've got a massive soundstage there, all set up, ready to go. We have cast Nefarious. I don't think I can tell you who it is yet, but um, um, the, that deal I was told yesterday, that deal is finalized, closed, and done. So you guys know who it is? Yep. I, I don't think I can tell you yet who it is, though. Like, I think they want to do that. Uh, but um, we have our Nefarious. We're very excited about that. So we have, there, there's, there's several characters in the film, but there are two main roles uh, overall. And one of them, of course, Nefarious, we wanted to cast that one first because we were going to cast the second role off of who, the, who that is. Because a lot of this film will be an interaction between these two characters. And so we're in the process of casting that second role as we speak right now. Uh, I did get some news on that today. Um, and our search for that character or for that part goes on, but, uh, I don't think that'll take much more than a couple more days to finish that out. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very excited as things stand right now. Uh, I'll be gone December 9th and 10th to visit the set. Um, and we're just going to drive down Oklahoma city. It's only about six or seven hours and I, and just with the masks and the delays and everything else, even if everything goes off right, it's a four and a half, five hour, you know, flight between layovers and everything. And I was just like, you know what, man, I'd rather just drive at that point, take another hour or two, but in total control of my fate instead of at their mercy and irritated. Right. So we're going to drive down there as a family to visit the set. Uh, and that'll be probably the 9th and 10th of December. And therefore we'll be gone, but we've already recorded, we think a couple of dynamite, uh, evergreen shows for you guys for those days, including an entire hour on eschatology and, and a date. Was, yes. Oh, yes. And it was my idea. Yes. We get into dates. Yes. That's what Aaron is referring to. So, um, is there anything else that I should add that you guys know that you think I can say right now? We have our nefarious. I just can't tell you who it is, but that deal's done. I think we start filming. We started. We start filming two weeks from yesterday. But so I'm just kind of yeah. recapping now. Is there anything yeah. else? No. No. I think that's great. Okay. We'll move on to question number two. What's the biggest unresolved plot hole in any movie or book that sticks out in your craw the most, or sticks in your craw oh. the most? That's easy because if this, if this happened, it would be a perfect film, and it is a nearly perfect film. Hoosiers. It's, uh, you know, um, uh, which, who's the one who gets kicked off? He's, he's the point guard. Yeah. And he, oh, yeah. He's being, how did he get back on the team? Yeah. How, how did, did he, he get, get back, back on the, the team? team? There's yeah. no, he's just there. And then it's, it's like, it, it just perfectly hums along still. But like, why no scene? Because it's huh. not that it could be an, an amazing scene. And I don't understand why it's not there. Because that movie is just almost flawless. Yeah, I just watched it with Noah for the first time last year, uh, right as March Madness was getting going, and he had never seen it before. He absolutely loved it. But uh, that you bring up a good point, and I can't believe I hadn't thought about that beforehand. But that is a that is a very good plot hole. I'm trying to. Th- I'm glad you went first to give me some time, but I'm still struggling to come up with one. I mean, I can come up with things that movies did not resolve that I wished they would have. Okay. Um, and that, that counts here too. Does that count too? Yeah. You know, like, so I, I like 
the Brandon Routh Superman Returns movie. I think it's I think it's exceedingly underrated. Um, and it and of course it introduces the idea that Superman and Lois Lane have a child. And I I think that would have been a fascinating if the film had performed better financially. The the then what would have happened is the next movie would have actually brought uh, Brainiac to Earth. And we would have explored that storyline a little bit closer. I, I think that would have been a, a fascinating hmm. storyline to explore. What is that? What does that look like? And how about Batman versus Superman? There's the silent reference uh, in in the Batcave. You see the Robin suit there, and and, and, oh, and yeah. the Joker writing says, "Ha ha, jokes on you, Batman." You know, I think we would have loved to have, you know, gotten the four one one on that. I don't know the story if that's the. If that was the Jason Todd Robin that in the comics the Joker kills, or if that was Dick Grayson, I don't, you know. So the, I, I can come up with all kinds of examples of things that were introduced that I wish they would have resolved. But nothing, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's as quite of a blatant of a plot hole as what you just said. I like that one a lot. I would say this falls into the unresolved bit. Who in the world or universe or galaxy was Snoke? That's still. Oh, that's a of, great of one. All, How to not think of that? Of all of the, of all yeah. of the unresolved things, well, that the one whole sticks. Thing is a plot hole. Yeah. Now that's true. I mean, I, Todd. I mean, you're you're probably the biggest Star Wars critic here here amongst the, th- the three of us. In uh, the second new Star Wars movie, would do, would would you agree that maybe in the middle of the duel or right after killing Snoke, if they had just ended the movie there? It, it would have, there would have at least been a possibility that that trilogy could have been like objectively good. Um. Okay, if I use objectively good as as lowest standard as I can bring that down to, sure. Yeah. So. Sure. If even if you killed him, at least you would you know leave yourself the entire third movie in order to resolve that. But no, that that never. Did. You- that never happened. And did you see Buddy Long? By the way, is the best. Yeah. Couplet. Yep. But did you see that now? I I mean I know they had shelved the the Ryan what's his face director's trilogy already. Uh, Ryan Johnson. Yep. Uh, but now the um Patty Jenkins they've shelved that thing too because of creative differences. Did I, you I see just that? read that. Yeah. Like what is going on? And then announced that Kathleen Kennedy Townsend was given a contract extension That's, through twenty twenty four. Honestly. It's it, it, you don't it, you you suspect it's almost like they're trying to kill it, right? Yeah. How about is Jar Jar Binks a plot hole? That could be the greatest plot hole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that created one massive hole in that plot. Every, every scene that he needs a one to. big plot hole. There yeah. Was, there was. You say people going to die? No, we're kind of just hoping it's you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Todd. After Phantom Menace, there was like this website that normally dealt with space, mm-hmm. actual like NASA. But it also had some guy who was writing fantastic stuff about where he thought, like the missed greatness of Phantom Menace and where he thought could be going. This is before any of the other movies. It was just Phantom Menace. And he talked about the possible redemption of the fool, of Jar Jar. Like in mm-hmm. the end, he said maybe maybe Jar Jar is going to be the one that everybody has to rely on to spirit away the twins or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was it, there was so much possibility still. Like even I, Jar Jar's execution was bad, but there's a story in there. I mean, that's the heart of all of Star Wars. There's so much story in there, and it seems like at every turn, execution-wise, they can't get it right. Speaking to your point, the Snoke thing's a great observation, yeah. 
And I and I think the fight in the throne room is the best scene. I don't even think it's mm-hmm. close. It's the best scene in the in the most recent trilogy of any of the three films. I mean that that scene it looks gorgeous with the crimson guard, the cinematography, the scene of uh, of of how they coordinate together, and then he turns on. I mean that is that's phenomenal filmmaking. Um, it's a shame that Ryan Johnson showed so little regard for the subject, the continuation of the subject matter overall, because nothing J.J. Abrams did in those other two films holds the jockstrap of the quality of filmmaking of that scene. Here's another one. My all-time favorite horror movie is The Omen, as you guys well know. The Omen ends with, with little Damien. They're at the funeral for his father, the ambassador to England, and he's, his hand is being held by the president of the United States, uh, who was his, was, his, was his father's friend, right? And Damien turns to the camera and kind of gives this crap-eating grin as, the, as Avi Satani, the uh, Oscar-winning mm-hmm. scorer, cranks back up, right? We go to Damien Omen 2, and now he's 13 years old, and he's living with his uncle, who's a, who's a corporate magnet, okay? Don't you think they kind of should have probably told us, hey, how'd you, what was it like, you know, staying with the Prez for a while? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That seems like a bit of a... A bit of a plot hole. You're holding the president's hand, and now you're just living on the outskirts of Chicago with your corporate magnet uncle. I kind of feel like there was some missing story there that maybe they could yeah. have explained that to us. One would think. All right. Let's get, before we get to the last one, let me tell everybody about realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. Someone who also, wouldn't it be nice if they came with a fully vetted track record of success as well? And the answer is they do. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, this is a company started by Glenn and some of his friends who, well, they ran into real estate agents they learned the hard way they could not trust. They didn't want to repeat that mistake or have others suffer the same fate. So they created this network of agents around the country who you can trust to come in and take charge of your situation while remembering that you ultimately, though, are the one in charge. So head to the website, the name that kind of says it all, at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now for something completely different. We're going to play a little game for the last three or four minutes. This game, I want your immediate gut reaction to 25 people, places, or things that I'm about to list off to you. All right, any version... Any version of, uh, um, what? Uh, I'm going to say these very clearly. There should be no, what? Uh, or I don't know. Any version of that, the first person to say any version of those four things loses the game. Do you I, understand? No, say it again. Let me, so, let me, so, I'm okay. going to read random phrases. Okay. Random phrases. I've got 25 of them. Okay. The first person to say any form of what, uh, um, or I don't know, loses the game. Oh, I just want your gut reaction. Gut reaction. Just want your gut reaction. Okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Pumpkin spice. Beautiful. Meh. Vinegar. Awesome. Uh, useful. I said, uh, crap. Useful. Sorry. David French writing in the Atlantic. Stabbed. Dreadful. Patrick Mahomes. Gifted. Nice guy. Lesbians. Grading. Lipstick. Jim Harbaugh. Eccentric. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I did one too. So there's your there, there's your mulligan. You can't do it again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Redeemed. 
That's a great word. I'll go with redeemed. Stuffing. Stovetop. Made it a couple days ago. Gravy. Greatest there ever was. Okay. Detroit Lions. Thanksgiving. Pathetic. Green bean casserole. Drek. Underrated. Turkey. Traditional. The previous play is under further review. Get it right. Never again. Pfizer. Never again. Lord. Fridays. Tomorrow. Uh, ah. Ah. <laughs> All right, you got me. Okay. It's the weirdest game. Yeah. I had just had this idea a few game uh, a few days ago. You came up with that? Yeah. Huh. What were the rest of them that we well, didn't get to? Let's not. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Mac Football, Snow, The State of Ohio, The Gays, Targeting. <laughs> uh, and then Todd, Steve, and Aaron were the final three. That, that clip, man, th- that, we, that they played before the show started today, I had a hard time. I mean, I, I wasn't sure I was going to get my composure back. They, they, that that Trump statement. Some people say I'm the greatest star maker ever, but some of the stars I've made have turned out to be garbage. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is great. And that's actually a good tease of the overtime that we're going to record after the show today. There is a pullout from Marquette University in your neck of the woods there. And it shows that a majority of Republicans, 60%, want Trump to run again. But a majority of Americans, 71%, do not. So we will discuss those results. Do we buy that? And if we do, then what does it mean? Uh, we'll get into that today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace if you want to subscribe and get a discounted subscription today. That's also where you can go if you missed last night's Q&A where we took your questions on coronavirus. Myself, Daniel Horowitz, Dr. Ryan Cole, that is posted on that page as well for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. That'll do it for today's show. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck here. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.